Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. What a start to the college basketball season. If you love college basketball, these opening games have whet your appetite for what's going to be an amazing, amazing season. Welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast. I am Mike Randall. If you've been listening to us, you realize how much we love college basketball. I am joined, as always, by Mr. Prognostication. Gus Kearns. Gus, how you doing? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon to all the listeners out there, however you may be putting the screen, the screener podcast in your ears. We thank you for consuming it in the fashion that you choose. Uh, we love bringing you this, and we can't wait to get into some of the games that we're going to review, preview, and maybe even take a closer view at. And if you've listened to this podcast, Gus is a modest man. That's what he is, a lunch pail guy. But the predictions that we've had specifically Gus's predictions have been spot on so far we'll get to those in a little bit uh, but we're going to kick it off here with our news and notes news and notes from the hardwood well if you watch those games and they all start on Friday Gus I couldn't get enough of them and I'd like to start if you don't mind with Michigan State Arizona we need to we need to start there um do you need a minute I need a minute. Do you need a minute to talk I, I, I about need, I need a minute. my guy, Miles Bridges? Your guy, your prediction, and yes, I left him off my All-American team about a biggest mistake as not giving my daughter lunch when she's going to elementary school. I will tell you this. I have not in my lifetime seen a freshman who physically impressed me more, and I will go back to Durant. With his skinny rail self, he was tremendous. I will go back, Gus, to Purvis Ellison was the last time Mm. I saw a freshman who can do what Miles Bridges can do. He jumped off the screen at you when you were watching this game. It wasn't like, oh, that's just another Michigan State player. He literally jumped off the screen at you. Uh, The baseline reverse dunk. Uh, the range from the three-point line, the athleticism on defense, like all the things that we talked about totally came to fruition and were in the bright lights for everybody to see against Arizona. You you know sometimes I'll I'll get a little hyperbole on you. This is what I expected from Ben Simmons, and I never quite saw it except for spurts. Mm -hmm. You nailed it. He hit threes. He went baseline, lefty and righty. I couldn't even figure out halfway through the game whether he was lefty or righty. I knew he was lefty, but I wasn't sure. His handle was that tight. He's, he went he went both ways re- with a lot of comfort. He is not soft. He goes inside. He was smart with his body. He didn't get cheap fouls. He runs the break incredibly well, and he slaps the floor in defense, a.k.a. high motor. I now know why Tom Izzo dipped in, and I know right now that I'm already behind you because he will be on an All-American team. What a performance. And we can even go forward a little bit further and, you know, talk about – we don't want to necessarily talk about his clunker game, but he had an off game his following game. And, but he still played unbelievably well. He put up double-digit rebounds. He was very active on the defensive end. And freshmen are going to have games like that where their shot is a little bit off. But you can just tell that he, this guy is really going to be special for Sparty. And even though their record doesn't show it right now, 
they have to be excited what they have in Miles Bridges. Mr. Bridges will not be playing in college next year. And that's right. His second game, which we'll get to a little bit, was not impressive. I agree with you. Mm. But he did all the other things that freshman kids kind of zone out sometimes when they're not scoring. He doesn't. Izzo won't let him. When this team gets hot towards the end of the year, he will be an issue. What a what a performance. But let's go through this game really quick. Uh, yeah, I think the first place we have to start is just the start. Yeah, And I think oh. what we talked about actually happened yep. where Arizona was a little bit out of sorts due to their, their roster uncertainty, and they came out unbelievably flat. And those are the games that we like, right? So you're sitting there watching the game, and I'm watching Bridges, and I'm sitting there having a beverage going, oh, my goodness, how did I not put this kid on the, on the All-American team? 17-2. to two. They're up. Right? Did you did you have did you have like uh, like a, the recurring nightmare of like oh man here we go again with their Arizona game in the tournament last year? It is exactly what it was. I said they're not going to be good. Who knows where Trier is? 14-10 mark of the first half. We're about six minutes in. Arizona has two points. Two points. Then who else popped off the screen? And came in and kind of saved the day for Arizona. Yeah, I, you know, Kobe Simmons comes in, and we'll talk about Josh Jackson, all these wing players that are really good. Kobe Simmons also was really, really impressive. Came in, he had a little swagger to him. Yeah, he, he had a little shimmy. I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I should be starting. And by the way, he should be and will be shortly. He saved them. And even Miller said it after the game. He said, Kobe Simmons saved us 15 he, of their 34 points. In he, gave, he gave him big props, which is not a Sean Miller thing to do, to give props to the freshman. But he came right out and did it in the post game right away. He wasn't trying to dance around that at all. I think he knew that Kobe Simmons saved that game for them and dug them out of a gigantic 17-2 hole. Kobe Simmons saved their bacon is what he did. And then they went on a 23-4 run back at Sparty. Sparty got sloppy. I will tell you this. That's that's predictable. It's predictable. When you're going to play that many freshmen that many minutes, that's that's what's going to happen. You're going to have sloppy elements and and, and sloppy sections of your game. And Aaron Harris cannot get in foul trouble for Michigan State. The whole thing fell apart. He's the senior, the guy that holds the team together. He cannot get in foul trouble because everything went downhill. Once he went off the floor, things changed. And then a gentleman from Finland named Laurie Marketing came in, Gus, and how'd that go? Wow. I mean, I think the move that jumped out at both of us was when he got the ball at the top of the key. Uh, He was loosely guarded by Sparty. He had a crossover dribble, uh, a semi-spin move, went to the left hand and laid it in all in two dribbles from the three-point line. I think that that just jumped off of the screen at me a little bit like Miles Bridges and was like, whoa, this guy's way more skilled than I thought. Do not think he's the typical player from across the ocean who in the trapezoidal lane is going to stay outside. <laughs> that is not Laurie Markkinen. Very impressive. Great recruiting job by Sean Miller. He went inside, outside. If Trier ever comes back, I think it's obvious Trier is going to be suspended for some period of time for something, whatever this is. We hope it's not serious. Um, but I don't think it's academics. Actually, Billis talked about it on the game. He said mm-hmm, if it's mm-hmm. academics like it was with Comanche, I believe, they come out and say it right away. Correct. I think with the privacy part, I think we're talking about um, some sort of test that wasn't passed, perhaps something that happened off campus. I just hope Something along yes. those lines. But you hope Trier and the program find a solution, work together and and get him back on the court and get him to be a, fulfilling his duties as a student athlete more than anything. If they get Trier, Simmons, and the Finland Flyer going around that court. Finland Flyer, yeah, yeah, I like there that. There you go, trade market. Uh, they're going to be a good team. Sloppy game, right, but exciting. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought the game was unbelievably um, 
uh, not poorly played, but you can just tell that it was the first game of the season, and there were a lot of gaps in it because of the freshmen playing big minutes, because of the uncertainty on Arizona and with the with the roster. But um, I think I, I enjoyed the game. I was I was kind of all over that. All right, and the game that happened right after them uh, was the Indiana Kansas game, uh, and very excited about that one. You're nailing your prognostications. We'll get to Caleb Swanigan grabbing every rebound oh. in sight in a minute, but I was excited to see in that game Thomas Bryant. Hello, started the game, stepped back for three threes and, the fr- and hit two of them. So that made me feel pretty good. I, I think your prognostication of him being, uh, I believe you had him on your first team All-American. I mean, you had I, to be jump- jumping for joy uh, with him stepping back for three. Yeah, yeah t- twice. Because once, you know, maybe it's a shot clock, right? But twice means that that's practice and that's in three threes for a seven-footer to start the game. So I have a smidgen mini story for Thomas Bryan to kind of back your... your um, to back your prognostication of his first team All Americans, um, one of the big things that Kareem does is the player development thing, where he, you know, his guys are definitely more skilled at the end of the season than they were at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they do great work over the summer. One of the things that Thomas Bryant has been doing is he's been running some of the drills with the guards. He has been running all of the drills that he's been running. Uh, with the big men or uh, with post moves or maybe rebounding drills. He's been running some of the drills with the guard group, thus working on the handle, working on the three-point game. So I think like that player development that Kareem's really that has really established there at Indiana totally showed its uh, definitely totally showed like that first couple of minutes for Thomas Bryant and for Indiana on the whole. Definitely. It was a very exciting game, back and forth, a lot more flow to it. James Blackman Jr., welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, my friend. He did an excellent job. He's a gritty guy. You can tell he's going to be a go-to guy for them down the stretch as well. It looked like he enjoyed having that as his position on the team of them looking to him to solve a problem in a big moment. Yeah, you know, I wish he was with the team last year too. I mean, I'm yeah, that. That's, yeah. that's a team that could have beat North Carolina. Um, and then the other part, I think, with Indiana, which I think is really fascinating, and I, I couldn't believe that this was happening, but it made more and more sense as you watch the rest of the game. They were playing, and, and, and you know, the first thing we talked about with Thomas Bryant stepping out for three, they were playing this almost positionless, flow on offense where there weren't assigned positions to the players on the floor you know what it really reminded me of it reminded me a lot of how uh, Notre Dame runs their offense where um, you have all the you know we call them like these widget players except you know the Indiana guys aren't widget players those guys are NBA talented yeah and 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 OG Ananobi is a big time athlete a big time player I believe Bill said something about him being possibly the Big Ten Player of the Year, or something. He's that good. The, the 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 buzz that they threw out there at halftime again to create you know to create a discussion for their product was not only did they say Big Ten Player of the Year, but they were talking National Player of the Year, All American status for OG. Yeah, it makes me think back to those um, what do you call those challenges we used to have the the, the, the remember ABC back a long time ago mm-hmm, the Star mm-hmm, Challenge. Mm-hmm. I know he's such a good athlete, like he yeah, yeah. do all of those he, things. He, right? Yeah, he would he would be able to throw the bounce pass into the hula hoop. He would then be able yes, to right. right like all of those little skills. It seems like all of those things are right up his alley. Um, yeah, we were really impressed by Indiana, and we were really impressed by how they were running their offense. The the fluidity did not 
speak first game of the season. Yeah. The fluidity sp- spoke like they've been doing this for a really long time, and they were really good at it. Couldn't think, couldn't think of a better way to start the season off. It was tremendous. Um, so where do you want to head next? want to go Michigan State, Kentucky? I think we have to go Michigan State, Kentucky. Um, I don't think there's any reason why we wouldn't want to go there. Um, and the reason I think we have to go there is because we talked about Bridges' second game already, and we just want to kind of address that right off the bat. Um, even though the points weren't there, he had his rebounding numbers. You can tell he was defending on the wing against against like athletes, mm-hmm. you know, Monk, Bam, Fox, uh, Briscoe. Uh, so he was really put to the test here. And I think it kind of just showed that uh, Kentucky might be a little bit more talented than we originally thought because, we, you know, we praise Bridges and the rest of the Michigan State team. And I think it just shows that maybe we undersold Kentucky a little bit on their end and their incoming freshmen. But I don't think you were, were selling short Malik Monk uh, since your prediction was? Uh, I loved Monk so much I put him on the second team All-American. And the reason I put him on the second team All-American is for the very thing he did against Michigan State, which was banging home seven threes in the world's most famous arena against a very, very strong defensive Sparty team. And, you know, that was part of my reason for saying with the, the Kentucky, I wasn't sure how those guys were going to do. I put Fox on third team, I think. And, and he's put up nice numbers, too. He has. I, but I, definitely Monk's got the swagger. He's got the look. There has to be one of those guys. He can't do the five in, five out. He can do it if he wants, you know, mass substitutions. But when it comes to this, the NCAA tournament, someone's got to take the shot. And early returns are Malik Monk has no problems doing that. And early returns are he's going to make it. How about this? Do you think that he is going to approach what Jamal Murray accomplished last year for them as a freshman um i'm gonna hold off on that because murray again was the physical size was just bigger which is why i'm solo on bridges like you said he, he's gonna mm. struggle offensively but yeah. murray was a bigger player I mean, right I, I, listen a I, couple I, inches yeah monk yeah. could be, and he was thicker monk yeah. is has the had a dunk on the break i think too. oh yeah, yeah so he's he's got it i gotta see him a little bit more but i guess i just you know I, i'm with josh jackson also um you know with kansas we'll get to in a minute right you know just a little little Thinner, a little smaller. Hard for me to see him really going inside with reckless abandon. But I, I think I think we just need to see a little bit more. Need to see more. That's yeah. it. But yes, Monk to me could be the Kentucky guy. Uh, I, that's without question. And I think what the other part that we took away from the Kentucky game is um, the trouble that they might have if Bam Arbato gets into foul trouble. Who I liked, by the way. But he, yes, he can get into foul. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I think. If he is off the floor, that kind of changes them defensively. Mm-hmm. And also, if he's off the floor, they lose that big physical presence inside. Um, and one of the things that's lost with uh, Cal's offense is somebody has to do some of the dirty work, and he's one of those guys that would do that. Yep. Um, so if he's off the floor, the Kentucky uh, uh, the Kentucky profile changes a little bit on offense, but also then on defense as well. Yeah, and, and, and Cal's got it got it going. Bam is, is, a, is a, a player for them. He's going to give him good minutes. Willis did a nice job. But similar to Harris with Michigan State, I do feel like Briscoe is kind of the glue with that team Absolutely. to lead those freshman yeah. guys. Again, fearless. When we did it, when we did our 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 preview on these guys, we we likened Briscoe to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, it's so true. It's a great comparison. A, a little bit smaller, yeah. um, but that type of presence in the lineup, in the locker room, and on the floor. And how about what we talked about with Monk and Fox? That I mean. They could they be, could be yes. the best, best freshman backcourt. backcourt. Yeah, backcourt. It, it absolutely could be. Early returns are telling us that that, that that looks good right now. Listen, I read this the article on ESPN uh, about 
Cal talking about Duke and the freshman. They've he's done it. I give him credit in the world. Maybe some people like us, you know, tend to shy to the Majerus napkin, gonna show you how to beat the triangle in two on the back of a napkin type of guy, because we're junkies. We're as you say, the vagabonds, okay? But what Calipari's done, he's won. The name of the game is winning. There's a scoreboard up there, they're keeping track of it. He tapped into these freshmen. Duke copied him. I'm sorry, that is the case now. It is and now case. Izzo jumped in with Mr. Bridges, who again I think is the most impressive freshman. But very impressive. Give him a lot of credit. Second game last night was Kansas Duke. I mean, just a fantastic game. Was happy on a personal level. Mr. Mason, <laughs> after a 30-point loss, um, little shot there at the end of the game to so, Duke. I, I think what we need to point out right there is give some props to Mike Randall. Mike Randall is probably one of the only college basketball personalities that put Frank Mason the third on his first team All-American. He starts off with a 30-point game and then goes ahead and hits the game winner with what uh, with what we would like to reference Raph with onions in a big-time game against the number one team in the country, again, in the world's most famous arena. What else do you want from Frank Mason the third? Loved his interview afterward, too, where he was very, you know, all about the team. You say Sharon Collins. I say Frank Mason the third. I think it's very similar, and as long as they don't run into Ali Farouk Manesh, I think we'll be okay. But, oh, wow, nice reference. <laughs> um, but, no, if, they did a great job. Um, you talked about Josh Jackson. He looked very strong, struggled with some foul trouble, but he had his spurts where you were like, this guy's kind of taken over. I, You know what? I think it took a game for us to find what jo- Josh Jackson could be. And I think we saw little flashes, maybe not as aggressive as the Miles Bridges flash that we mm-hmm. saw game one, but you saw Josh Jackson. You know what the, th- the other part about Josh Jackson that I really took something away from and was really impressed by? How annoyed he was at that foul call and how badly ball. he wanted to stay on the floor. Loved it. Loved and, it. and he was pleading his case to Loved stay on the floor. Yes. That, I think, is what you want from any player, but that's what you want from your star freshman. And yeah. not like looking for an excuse or to find your way out or be like, oh, that's a foul. I guess I have to go. Like He was lobbying uh, with the refs, with the coach, with the players to stay on the court to help that team win. Love to see that. And I think the refs have done a good job overall in the games that we've watched. More freedom of motion. Okay, for offense. couple ticky-tack things. I think mm-hmm. they want to get rid of, you know, Shuck in the cutter. That's what Harris got. Harris gave a forearm on a, it was like a 1-4 high UCLA set. Yep. And his defender came down and gave him a little body, you know, sort of check in the middle of the chest, which, by the way, is right under the basket, almost in the circle. No one's there because it's 1-4 high and the ref's got to blow it. But uh, overall, I think they did a good job. Jackson will adjust. But yes, I loved he was ticked off about that, which should not have been a foul, by the way, on, on loose ball. I didn't think it was a big deal. Yeah, I didn't think it was a big deal either. And the one where he's coming through the screen as well, uh, he also was annoyed by. So I think the passion that he was showing with wanting to stay on the floor and being there with his teammates and not sitting down. And also, you know what the other part is too? I I, I was down with self giving him that many minutes because he's not usually – I mean, Wiggins aside, like – he is not a big minutes for freshmen early on, so I'm happy that he's given him some big time minutes and some big time uh, in, in like the pressure cooker situation. Yeah, I think he has to. I think I love Devonte Graham. I mean, we've been fans Lo- of love Devonte, yeah, but he is very streaky, which I love about him being streaky. But I don't think you can rely on Graham to be a consistent every game, like 18, 20 point per game. Score. No, no, I, I think the points aren't going to be there, but uh, uh, defensive intensity is going to be there. The, the consistency is going to be there. The accountability is going to be there. Like all the things, all the other things that you want. But yeah, I agree. But 
maybe Jackson could that's be. That's why. Yeah. That, that's it. That I think, I think he knows he, he needs that. Yep. Mason is going to be slow and steady. Mm-hmm. Graham will be good every once in a while for three threes in a minute and yep. a half. Yep. But I think he knows he needs that because inside he's really not great. Landon Lucas is okay. I mean, but I, I, I think. I, I think I think I think Lucas I think Landis Lucas show, showed out a little bit. He did. I, I, I think with the with the bigger expanded role and the more and in, in the extended minutes, I, I think he's going to not. You know, obviously he's not going to do what Perry Ellis did. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you know who we're ignoring here, though. God, who? Shri. Shri, the 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 the, the foreigner. Uh, I cannot say his name. Who put up a couple threes? Um, he played some good minutes as well. Um, I think he's going to find his way on the floor with Jackson at the same time. And if they have uh, if they have Lucas, Mason, Jackson, and Graham, yep, uh, with. Shvi uh, Maya Mahalik Mahalik yes. Then I think they're going to have four shooters on the floor. Yeah, Mahalik did some good things. Remember, he had a good tournament last year. He had a, too. He had yeah. a great game in the tournament yeah. last year. Um, thanks for helping with the pronunciation. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think the other thing we need to take away from this game, like Duke needs those freshmen. I mean, Kennard played great. Um, I you know what? I'm starting to warm to Kennard, and maybe I'm getting thrown by um, by by that he always wins the. A shooting contest in practice, um, but I, I I think that he's going to be better than we give him credit for. I agree, um, and, and and they do need the freshman. Jackson hit the big three at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, but I I think that they, I think Coach K is selling the we're the underdog right now. I just hope we get through it. Totally, he gets those freshmen back. They're going to be an issue because they have leaders on the team, and and I think Kennard's better than I gave him credit for. And also, I think what we're going to take from this is this is going to be some sort of like blessing in disguise for Duke, like having those three guys out and then having their leaders that you talked about, like establish their position in the locker room as leaders, on the bench as leaders, in practice as leaders. And then when they can integrate those three freshmen when they're, when they're all the way healthy, uh, probably bit by bit, like imagine if you can, <laughs> if you can integrate like the top prospect – uh, Tatum coming in, and then you already have uh, Kennard, Allen, um, Emil Jefferson, uh, Matt Jones, and then you're going to say, okay, look, all these guys are going to do their job. We're just going to ask you to do this one assignment. Yeah. And and Tatum and the other freshmen are just going to do that one assignment unbelievably well. This is going to be a huge blessing in disguise for Duke, even though tough, tough loss against Kansas. Tough loss, and they, they, he's doing a great job because they know their they know their roles. They all looked at Allen at the end of the game. They wanted Allen to score. They want him to take the basket. Kennard once in a while. I think gradually that may change, yes. but Allen's going to make everything run, and he's fine with that. He's a 20-point-per-game scorer coming back, so um, they're going to be really, really good. He, uh, he's uh, Allen is used to the high usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what do you think we should head to next? Let's do uh, let's do some quick rundowns. We got to get to other stuff. We could talk all day, folks. Three hours we could do right here. No, uh, but I just don't think you dropped to work for three hours. So let's move on. Let's hit the other games. Let's do your next fishy line, which uh, the, the UNC Tulane over, right? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, uh, we'll just cover UNC like as a total and not go over each game. But I think the first thing we want to talk about is the fishy line that we and. Uh, and Gus went two for two, by the way, folks, because the first one he got was the Arizona-Michigan State one. So we went over with the uh, UNC-Tulane game, which was also around 145. Do you know what the total ended up being? 170. No, not even close. Um, so I think you know we were kind of keyed into both of those. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling real good about Joel Berry II. Yeah. Uh, we're, 20, we're, 20, we're good. 20, 20 plus points, yeah. five boards. Oh, old Roy's got some players. Four and a half dimes. 
I, I'm he's playing a little bit out of his mind, but kind of how I thought he would be playing. Can't thank Roy Williams enough. I know I said it, Gus. I gotta say it one more time: scheduling games on the road and giving smaller teams a chance. Mike Dunleavy didn't scare him off. Good job by Roy Williams. Uh, also, the mocks. The mocks were uh, like a trendy underdog upset pick last year in the tournament. Um, they went ahead and blew them out as well. The big guys are a real issue, like Meeks, Kennedy, Tony Bradley, the Frosh who you heard here first, was going to have an impact yep. right away. Oh, yeah, you said it. All of those guys are efficient, but you know what all of them are too? All three of them bring really diverse skills to that pivot position down there that Carolina loves to run on the delayed break. And you know what they're really getting really skilled at? Go ahead. Outlet passes. Total underrated. I mean, we I know we like praise Kevin Love for this all the time with mm-hmm. his like really unique outlet passes. That's fantastic. But all of those, all three of those guys, uh, the one thing I took away from all of their play was they are getting the ball out and running into Nate Britt's hands and Joel Berry's hands, and then you know who's else put putting up big numbers for them? Go ahead. Yeah, Justin Jackson. Justin, ja- yeah. of course he is. I mean, listen, you know they followed. They're following the model. Villanova has the model. It's now a small guards game, right? So last year, what did Nova have? Ojafu? That was pretty much it. Yeah, right. he, he was their big guy. So you don't need your big guy to pump in 20 and 10. Now listen, if you have that, Thomas Bryant, then that could be a huge advantage. But Kennedy Meeks and guys like that, Pinsett, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That They know their role. Get it out to Barry. Get out of the way. Um, they're going to be Brit, all those guys. So just give me the 10 and 10 or the 8 and 12, whatever yeah. it is. And Roy's got that going because he's going to do a secondary break anyway. And then the other part we want to bring up with UNC is you mentioned Pinson. He hasn't even played a minute yet. And imagine when they can include him on the court and put him as like one of the defensive stoppers. Yep. Uh, they're going to be all set. We're really impressed with UNC off the bat. Um, we, uh, I, I like him a lot, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. And now we'll move on to the next one. We do not here at Screen the Screener get scared off by a loss. So you may think – that we are upset or nervous about Oregon? Nope. No, folks. No no issue with Oregon. Nice win by Baylor. Scott Drew does what Scott Drew does. We, we talked about this in Texas Corner on our preview. Yes. That Tex- Baylor is going to do a great job. They're always going to have good athletes. Which is why it's hard to figure out in the tournament. Either we're going to the Elite Eight or we're losing to Yale. I can't figure it out. <laughs> but, no, listen. Oregon's an adjustment period. Dylan Brooks still out. You guys like Dorsey. And Boucher, they're going to get their role going. Okay, I'm, we're fine with it. A nice win for Baylor. Great win. We for are Baylor. not nervous about a Final Four Oregon team. Zero. So, so this is all the spells out. We talked about this a little bit with Duke. This just shows you how good Brooks is, like, and how talented he is, and how valuable he is to that team. That's all it speaks to. Did they lose by about twenty? Sure, absolutely. Is Baylor pretty good and going to make the tournament? Yeah, sure. Um, you know what else we took away from this too? Um, we forgot to mention him on our preview. Uh, and I'm so annoyed that we left him out of the Baylor preview. Especially because I love saying, Manu, you're so Manu. Manu Lacombe um, <laughs> is the next Baylor mini point guard. Like, think uh, Lace Derry is done. Think Cherry from a few years back. He's an under six foot guy. I- I'm so annoyed that we forgot to mention him. He is going to make that thing go. Uh, he's going to get them efficient, and he's going to have that offensive running in the right direction and get the athletes the ball in the right spots. Um, so w- we noticed Manu immediately in this game and saw, oh, yeah, Scott Drew's got another one of those little point guards. Nice job, Baylor, and nice job, Scott Drew. Um, you know what else I noticed, too, from this game? Bell from Oregon 
is going to end up playing a big role on the defensive end. Yeah, yeah. You know what? He he might be in some sort of running for defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. Um, but I really feel like he is going to be a cog defensively and and have to be on the floor for them uh, to operate at that high level offensively to clog up things on defense. And then you want to talk about our big guy. This is one of our prognostications I think we, we mentioned in our Texas Corner uh, preview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Motley's a force. Yeah, John Motley. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him the Matrix. I'm sorry, Sean Marion. I know he doesn't shoot as well as Sean Marion from the outside, but that's what I, I feel like he's an amoeba. He morphs. He can do so much on the floor. Motley is an issue. Baylor is going to be good. I think it's a good win for Baylor, but it was a necessary win for Baylor yeah. because if Oregon beats you without Dylan Brooks, mm-hmm. that's a red flag for them. And then they're doing this on Twitter. And by the way, feel free to follow the podcast on at S the S podcast um, on, on Twitter. We're go- we're going for letter efficiency with S the S podcast. Yes, and 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 there that means if if they're beating if Oregon's winning without Dylan Brooks, they would be on Twitter doing this new mannequin challenge where the teams just don't move. Okay, <laughs> love uh, the challenge. Yeah, so uh, that that would have been a mannequin challenge game for them. But no, it's fine. Oregon, good win for Baylor. Oregon's still getting their feet under them. People are getting rolled. Tyler Dorsey's getting nice experience too without Brooks there to get be a leader. So I'm fine with this. So are you? Uh, yeah, I, I did not lose any sleep over this, and I'm going to say it was borderline predictable. Uh, Definitely, and. We need to address another prognostication with the next game that we're going to go to. Uh, Wisconsin-Creighton. At Creighton. You called it one of the toughest places to play Do in college basketball. Let's realize there is basketball that is not played on Tobacco Road or in the Carrier Dome. All right? We said it. It is a tough place to play in Creighton. Uh, we were on Twitter. They retweeted us. Thank you very much. That was right. At Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike, or at uh, at Kearns12 on Twitter. Uh, we love Creighton. We love Wisconsin. I'm going to say they're going to the Final Four, but that was a nice win because, as you said, Creighton may have one of, or even the... Best backcourt in the country. Exactly. With Foster and Watson. And you saw that in full display. Uh, do they have other players? Of course they do. But those two guys really, really stood out. And it's not like it's not like they were doing against like some sort of uh, um, you know uh, ham and egger team. We're talking about a top ten Wisconsin team that some people have predicted for the Final Four. Some people have predicted for the Big Ten uh, tournament title. Some people have predicted for the Big Ten seasonal title. Um, and they have perhaps like one of the most recognizable players in Nigel Hayes. So we're not shying away from this prognostication at all. We think Creighton's going to do this all. Year, it, it, Gus, just, all year. Just another example of why this was the best start to the season, and and Brad Evans from Yahoo even mentioned I retweeted that I've seen maybe ever. These yeah. are big time games on the road. Well, these are teams who could be playing the Elite Eight. Creighton, Wisconsin could be an Elite Eight game easily, and they happened early in the season, and they were close, and they were great. Um, Watson was just nasty and dirty. He was really, really impressive. Um, Whiskey's going to be good. Don't let this game sway you on them. About 347 other Division I teams would have lost this game in this arena on that day, too. So, like, I, I'm not this – is, this falls into the exact same category as Baylor-Oregon for me, where I didn't lose a lot of sleep over this. Um, could the game have gone either way? Absolutely. Um, am I impressed by the Creighton win? 100%. Am I dismayed or disappointed by the Wisconsin loss? Absolutely no way. You know, one thing that, uh, you know, I was like picking out like one thing that kind of stood out in the game. Yeah, good. Um, and this goes back to like one of your nice prognostications. 
Like, Hap shows that he has NBA skills. Best third scorer in, in Division One, No he, doubt in my mind. He dribbled on the break. He posted on the delayed fast break. He makes all his free throws all the time. You know what I bet his next trick is? I bet he starts jacking up some threes about midseason. And, and if he starts doing that, he's going to be borderline unguardable. And I, I can't wait for you negative trollers to come at me this year and tell me a oh, great you know prediction he really is the second best scorer koenig's the third one i'll take that as a win yeah because if he he is the third and if he you know when koenig's hitting the shot against xavier you're not telling me ethan happens second option there so i'll take it as a win when we start getting trolled on on twitter oh well yeah it was easy call because Hap's the best second best player in the team oh okay thank yeah. you very much uh the, the takeaway i got from this one gus the yeah. biggest the biggest is back they're okay? good they are good villanova xavier i'm going to tell you right now now, Creighton could finish second. I don't think they're beating Villanova. I don't. But they could beat Xavier. Seton Hall. Why not? Why not? They could. It's possible. Why not? In Creighton. Oh, boy. I bet that would be official. Oh. Watch Nova go to Creighton. Creighton minus two. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. We'll start calling the Sharps yeah, in we'll, Vegas. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that if that happens. Get Joe Pesci at the Italian restaurant in, in, in that movie. Okay. <laughs> um, the Big East is back. Can't wait for it. Huge, huge fans of Creighton, guys. Great job. Um, they had a celebration in the locker room um, when Coach McDermott came in, too, on Twitter. It was great. Great job, guys. Big win. And uh, McDermott, in the interview after the game, just came across as, like, really passionate. Uh, really invested in his team. So I think all the things that we were talking about, Creighton, um, definitely popped out on the screen and like came to life and just illustrated what we were trying to talk about in the preview. I, I look forward to people in January, February going, ah, Creighton's good. Yeah, guys, we're sitting here in November telling you that, okay? But I, I think we told you in October. We talked to exactly. Well, thank you. All uh, right, moving on. Uh, last place I think we'll go for um, uh, like game reviews. Uh, let's let's go hit one of my favorite places, Dayton in Alabama. Um, you hate to see the injury, and we hope again. Screen the screener holds many things dearly. One of the things we hold very dearly is hope, and we hope that Josh Cunningham, the transfer from Bradley, uh, who was hurt in the final minute of the game, mm-hmm. we hope that he heals up and 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 finds a solution, and it's not as bad as Absolutely. we think. Um, and uh, we want him to be as healthy as possible. Uh, you know what they did? You know what Dayton did though? They do what they do all the time. They were down at the half, and they came back in the typical Dayton fashion. Archie Miller grinded it out. What, what do they have? What do they have for Thanksgiving? Miller Miller's not a coach. I, I, this is incredible. Both are great coaches. Unbelievable coaches. Uh, Charles Cook. This is a, a mini prognostication here. I think he's going to challenge Jack Gibbs from Davidson for A10 Player of the Year, um, and I bet he gets some honorable mention uh, All American votes. Uh, he's playing a little bit out of his head right now. I'm so impressed with the JMU transfer, Charles Cook. He, I mean, right at this point right now during this podcast, he's averaging over 22 points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite guys, Scoochie Smith, How is doing his thing. Love Scoochie, baby. I was I was on Facebook the other day. Some, some guy's like, man, Mo Ali Cox has been a VCU for the longest time, <laughs> which is correct, but Scoochie has just as long. He has been. Uh, can we just love him for being a great NCA point guard. Oh my goodness. This guy spread the love on Scoochie. 15 points, five plus boards, five plus dimes, and he's averaging three steals. He will thief it from you if you are not paying attention and you are doing a lazy dribble. You know what the other thing I took away from this too? Is I I think Avery Johnson's going to get this thing right. I think he's going to get it figured out in Alabama, and for the first time in a really long time, basketball is actually going to matter down there, mm-hmm. and it's not just going to be football-centric. 
I really like what Avery's trying to do, and I think he's going to get it right. Maybe he doesn't get it right this season, but I bet next season when we're doing our preview, I bet we're going to be talking about Alabama as a team to watch out for. Totally right. It's a very safe bet when a professional coach who's – and remember, Avery Johnson was very successful, right? Unbelievable. Dallas, the whole thing. Yeah. They should have had the title, right? The whole thing. The, um, Great success with the Nets. With the net, when they come to college, they always do well, whether it's football, basketball, whatever sport it is, because they bring that knowledge base. Avery Johnson is going to get it going. This He got ripped on social media for this loss. Dude, how can you lose at home to Dayton? Because Dayton's good, guys. Because, yeah, because, because Dayton's, Dayton's good. really good. Okay, and if you're a college basketball fan and you know what you're talking about, even if you're not vagabonds like Gus and I, Dayton's good. That's not a bad loss. But the people in Alabama are going to say we lost to this little Dayton school. But that's just that's just the way it is. Cook, Scoochie, the whole nine. You're right on again. Uh I think we got to go. Um, I think we have to also just chat about this because this is going to be a, an ongoing conversation the entire season. And if we don't discuss it right now, um, we're gonna. You know, we would be lax as college basketball fans, and we'd be lax um, as college basketball uh, uh, prognosticators of information for you guys, the listeners. And we have to kind of talk about a little bit about Washington and Yale. Um, Yale goes all the way out to the West Coast, out to Washington. Washington has Fultz, very highly touted freshman. Um, some say first pick, second pick, third pick in the NBA draft. And what does Yale do again? They pull the big upset again, just like they did in the tournament last year, without one of their best players. And Fultz puts up nasty numbers. 30 points, 5-plus dimes, 5-plus boards. But they lost. And they lost by giving up over 90 points. Which was, I think that was the kind of the most disturbing point. You can understand, like, uh, like the last game we just talked about, that was in the seventies, really tightly contested game between uh, Dayton and Alabama. But they just gave up ninety points to Yale. Not no sleeping on Yale. Ivy champs won a game in the tournament last year, but Yale's on the road and they scored ninety points on you. Yeah, I just thought that part of it was the most interesting part. You loved seeing Fultz like put up giant numbers in the second half, but. Yeah, I was a little put off by that. Yeah, I, and I think this game supports. We disagreed on Fultz. So I think both of us can take this game as support for our argument. Yeah. My argument was Fultz is going to be good, but Washington's not going to be very good. Mm. And your argument's going to be Fultz is nasty. He put 30 points up, okay? Right. So if he's putting 30 points up, he's getting All-American spot. It doesn't matter what Washington is. I just think when he gets an impact... The, the, you know, the, the conference tournament, conference play, I think they're going to lock him down a little bit. But he was very impressive. Listen, folks, Yale is good. The Ivy League is not Harvard, and that's it. They're going to do their four-team tournament, which we can't forget about. I'm totally looking forward to that. But I will tell you, this win will go a long way if yeah, Yale gets to the Ivy Finals. Mm-hmm. We always wonder, are they going to get two teams in in the Ivy? And we know good friends of ours who want two teams in every year. It could happen because Yale could, if they don't win the Ivy, this is a big win in Washington. You know what? You kind of want to see what they what they, what they have coming forward on the uh, non-conference schedule. Um, but here's another thing that popped out to me. Sam Downey's going to be first team all Ivy. Oh, no, that guy was yeah, really impressive. Yeah. His footwork was really impressive down on the post. Yeah. He showed some uh, he showed some great ball skills. I was really impressed with him because he did not look like that type of player last year. So obviously they did some major player development over the summer. And um, here's hoping that they can start winning and celebrate with Fultz and not questioning why he can't win or why they are not winning. So we just want them to get back onto the winning streak. Uh Put a little, uh, put a little winning streak together, so we can kind of celebrate him as a player and not question him all year as the type of player or the type of leader that he is. And as a fan, and you have a highly touted guy like Fultz, and this was my issue with Simmons, I want to see him take over. 
And, and I saw it. And so In the second half, you saw and, it. And, and so, listen, the kick and score, he's a flat-out scorer, great player. Exciting. Exciting game. Great. Another great one. And let's see what happens. But I think there's support for both of our arguments in this game right there. Perfect. I, yeah, I agree. Um, uh, how about – do you want to give uh, Do you want to give DC a little love? Always. Yeah. Um, how about Mello almost – how about Mello almost winning the game by himself against Georgetown? It's very true. Yeah. Um, they, they were down. Uh, uh, Mello gets fouled and makes two free throws with under 10 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and how many more games do you think he's going to do that this year? Do you think he's going to do it three more games where he's just going to win gonna, a game for Maryland he's gonna by himself? Have, he's going to have to do Four it. Four more times? That's, seven more times? That's what I was banking on, put him on second-team All-American. That's what he's going to have to do, and he can do it. He came back. Listen, he knew Maryland was not going to be as strong, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He still chose to come back. Yeah. So don't come back um, you know, from that game, Mello, and start giving me the 16, 8, and the 6. That's not why you came back. This is a young team that needs somebody who's going to take the last shot. He's no problem doing it. Ice in his veins. Tough player. I want to see more of that from him. So, And then we, we, we've tried to take a little nugget from each one of these games. And here's the nugget I took from uh, this particular game, besides you know Mello winning the game by himself. And great game, highly contested game. You would wish these two teams would play every year sure. um, because of the proximity of the schools, um, even though there's not like a – you know, even though it's uh, old Big East versus old ACC where it's now new Big East versus – Big Ten, which is very odd yep, and clunky. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's the other thing I took. Uh, the Hoyas are going to be good again this year, but do they have a difference maker, difference making player on their roster? Don't we always say this about Georgetown, though? And I know the system, but at some point, like guys, and he, you know who it might be? It might be a transfer from Robert Morris. It could be. It might be Pryor. And isn't that weird that? Possibly the most biggest difference-making player on a, you know, traditionally very strong Big East team is a transfer from Robert Morris. Yeah, only, it's, it's yes. weird how that low-level transfer might be a big-time Big East player. I just found it like very odd. It, it, it very odd. It is odd, but it's no different than. You know, when you transfer, it's only odd because you're saying going from Robert Morris to Georgetown, right? right. Marcus Foster is going to have no trouble in a big game against Nova at Creighton because Marcus Foster played in the Octagon of Doom. So all, you're only saying that because you think they're jumping up. <laughs> yeah. But Pryor has some of that skill where he doesn't care. Yeah, and, and, and they've made it to the tournament with him on the team as that 16 seed. So they've had success at Robert Morris with him, mm-hmm. and he's had individual success. But I just found that part interesting that Georgetown had to re- is going to have to rely on that guy and not some guy that they, they can recruit as a freshman and develop. I thought that was a, just an interesting twist on how Georgetown season is going to go. Could be. And that's yeah. what they're always lacking is the guy. So maybe the move is to go there. Yep. Yeah. And he might be that guy. And, uh, again, we hope that he is. And we hope that we can uh, talk about some uh, prior highlights uh, for Georgetown and talk about the Robert Morris transfer. And so yet again, our last one, I guess, is we have not given Syracuse enough due. It, it is like it is like we, we don't plan to do this but we have this blind spot for the orange I don't, I don't know why screen the screener does this all the time we do have this blind spot for for the orange and 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 we didn't include them in our preview we haven't talked a lot about them but they're two and oh yep at two and oh gus but come friday night at seven o'clock with the monmouth hawks coming into the carrier dome oh all right 
Every, everybody's sweetheart last year. Yeah, and by and Mammoth who who beat Drexel first game and they should have won at South Carolina. End mm-hmm. of that game, the pass cross court, the guy jumps in the air, catches it in the air and throws it in. That would have been a great yeah. road win for them because they should have been in last Frank, year. You know, Frank, I, Frank Martin was excited. I was livid about that because they should have been in last year. But I don't think Mama's going to be scared coming into the dome. No, they so are. So we'll not. wait to see what that is. And listen, I'm not going to tell you they're going to win in Syracuse, but they will keep that game very, very close. It's a double digit win for Syracuse if that lock. No way they're winning by more than 10 if they are. Mama's going to play well in Syracuse Friday night. I agree. Um, I think that game is going to tell a lot about how both of those team seasons are going to go. Um, and if. The Orange does win that. Are we going to are we going to go ahead and start talking about them as like, oh well, maybe they're a trendy Final Four pick again to repeat to get back. Like, is that the conversation that's going to start going? I'm not really sure, but we'll find out a little bit on Friday. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Game. Yeah, and they could be three and zero again, and you know, just telling us to be quiet. But that's fine. So where are we going next, Gus? Um, I think what we want to do is just pre preview after reviewing. Uh, a couple of the games that we're looking forward to. Uh, the first one we wanted to talk about, obviously, is Monmouth uh, Syracuse that we talked about uh, uh, coming up on Friday. Uh, another thing we want to throw props out to is to, uh, like you mentioned, with uh, Roy Williams and UNC. Them not afraid to go on the road. They're going out to Hawaii. Who else would take this game? Duke wouldn't take this game. Kansas, Kansas wouldn't go out there. Coach, Kentucky wouldn't go out there. Syracuse, no way. They're not leaving the Dome. Coach, UCLA, uh, no Coach way. Aaron Gano will welcome them into uh, Hawaii. Coach Gano, congratulations on a great season last year. We love Coach Gano. Uh, you know who would take this game? Gonzaga. Of course they would. Yeah. Because um, Steve's just getting done fishing. He's ready to start the season and bang out another 27 so wins. Old Roy provides his kids real-life experiences, which is kind of undersold. Um, that should be celebrated. It's going to be a tricky game. Uh, I bet they... Uh, uh, you know, I bet that they play pretty well. They beat Cal in the tournament last year. You love the Rainbows. They're top shelf. He's doing a great job. Uh, but... We think UNC is just going to continue their dominance. Uh, very underrated game that people need to pay attention to. It's a game to. of the weekend. It's a game of the weekend. Dayton versus St. Mary's. That game is going to be so highly contested. I'm very much looking forward to watching that game. Oh, and, and people should watch it, Gus, and I'll explain why in a couple minutes. But, say, yes, let's watch St. Mary's, folks. Um, and it's at Dayton, which makes it, makes it a little bit frisky. Right, um, both teams probably going to be tournament teams. St. Mary's is going to challenge Gonzaga for the uh, WCC title. Dayton's going to be up for the A10 title. Very much looking forward to that game. How about this game? How about Cincy and Rhodey? EC baby. Um, figure EC Matthews been put on big numbers. Um, uh, URI's two and zero. Cincy's playing tough as always. A10 much better this year too. You know what? I think this is going to be a classic like uh, Cincy game where they kind of grind it out. Um, and it's going to be one of those hard-fought games. Um, if you're leaning one way in this game, maybe take the under. Uh, that might be the way to go. And I think the other part, the, the last game we want to just take another look at is a team that we mentioned before and a team that we haven't mentioned yet this podcast is Yale at UVA. Down screen, back screen. It's Wisconsin, but it's also UVA. Yeah, good. Um, and can Yale go back across the country and pull another upset? If they can do that. So we're talking about two Ivy teams in. How about if they go ahead and beat Washington on the road, come back across the country, beat UVA on the road, and then go ahead and lose in that final 
Let's get two. Let's get two Ivy teams in there. I, I don't. You know, this is my pet peeve. When it comes to the the at large bids, don't give me the eight and ten Big East or ACC team. I don't want to hear it. I want you to be five hundred. Yale, they go on the road. They play this close, which you know it will be close because that's what they're going to do. They should be in if they get to the finals and have a really good season, a 25-4 and four season. They're going out and playing people. These mid-major teams are going out and playing people. Reward them for it. I'm really excited to see it. If they beat Virginia, we'll be out of control. I may just come down and start talking this microphone for three days. But if they don't and they play well, that should be rewarded because they're playing people. I don't want these mid middle-of-the-road, big conference schools getting in because I know, because Marquette beat Villanova or Georgia. I don't want to hear about it. Everyone's going to beat somebody in a conference. That's who you scheme for. Okay, it happens. No one goes 0-20 in a conference, usually. Usually. Um, but <laughs> that, that I want to reward the small guys. That's what we're about. So I, I, that, I think that for that reason alone, we're looking forward to that game. And especially after the results that Yale had at Washington, I think you're paying a little extra attention to this game right now. It's great. Can't wait, man. Mom at Syracuse, Dayton St. Mary's, Yale UVA, EC Matthews, Erin Gunnell. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, if that's not a good rundown for the weekend, I don't know what is. That sounds exciting. And uh, I, I think one of the last things we'll do uh, on this particular podcast is uh, we're going to go to the library desk, and we're going to uh, we're going to check in. And, and return our Ray Allen letter to his younger self that we talked about last week. And, and again, if you haven't read that on the Players' Tribune, we cannot recommend it any hot, any higher than, uh, than, we, than we do here on Screen the Screener. It was an unbelievable, uh, eye-opening letter. Um, Ray Allen was really transparent and really let us in on a couple of things. So we're going to return that and put that back on the desk. So let's give it to the librarian now. Well, thank you, Sonny. Here's your new periodical. The next periodical that we're going to take a look at is not necessarily something that you're going to read. It's going to be more something that you can consume. And we want to give props to Luke Wynn at Sports Illustrated. And we want to just take a quick look over his list of 100, the top 100 projected scorers in college basketball this season. I think the librarian's thrown off where the Dewey Decimal System falls on this, but go ahead. I, I just love that she had it on hold for us and we can check it out. <laughs> she may be back in about two hours. Good. Um, so what they did is they, uh, they, they crunched a whole bunch of stats for us. Uh, they, they, they put a whole bunch of numbers together. They made um, some projections on incoming freshmen um, and then plugged them all into an order and put them into tiers. And they went ahead and told us like who they thought the top scores, not the top players, not the All-Americans, but who they thought would put up the biggest numbers this year. Yeah, if you're on SI.com, and we are stack guys, okay, but um, economist Dan Hanner and then Luke Wynn and Jeremy Fuchs from SI put to this together. They put it into the, the computer. They banged out the numbers, and they basically simulated the games over and over again the entire season. And they did so many simulations, and they took the median output of each player. They didn't take the mean, right, because if – if uh, Jack Gibbs drops 45, then that's going to skew his average. Mm-hmm. So they lined up all the scores that they yep. got from replaying the season and took the one that was directly in the middle, which is the fair, resistant, free analysis. This is a tremendous read if you haven't seen it. Good. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of go through uh, the top five. There's a couple of surprising names on there. And then you want to uh, – I figured we'd just go through and pick out like three of our players that really caught our eye of awesome. where they were on yeah. this. Yep. And, um, and again, if you haven't seen it, this is all inclusive as well. If we this supports the screen the screener podcast vagabond basketball view of including 
all NCAA players. This is not a, a Big Five uh, biased or, or Big Conference biased. Um, they did a great job of putting every single player really into the system and then going ahead and spitting the stats back out and being unbelievably fair with it. Um, so the top five guys are not the top five guys that you would predict. One of the t- one of the guys is a guy that we mentioned already. Jack Gibbs from Davidson holds the number one spot. Let it fly. Another guy, number two, Peter Jock from Iowa. Such a good call. Played great with Utah last year. They lost that heartbreaking game, right? I, I mean, they won it, and they moved on, and they ran into Villanova. I mean, really like Jock. Third-ranked player, Grayson Allen on many All-American teams. Fourth-ranked player, Jordan Price from LaSalle. And then the fifth-ranked player is TJ Klein from Richmond. So we get two kind of off-the-radar guys in the top five of the projected scores for the upcoming season from Luke Wynn and SI. Um, And one of the things that stood out to me in their stats they spit out on the grid is uh, a a stat that we pay attention to a lot uh, come uh, March is minutes played. Mm -hmm. And all of these guys are going to play the majority of the minutes that their teams are going to put out. How about Dick Vitale calling out in in the games at Madison Square Garden that they should go back to six fouls? Like that as well. Because they said, and he's right, we come to watch these games, we want to see the people on the floor. He's pushing for six fouls. That's why we love the minutes played per game because that means you're staying out of foul trouble. Mm -hmm. If you're playing 35 plus minutes, you're going to have more opportunities. Um, So the next... uh, Five players are players that are familiar and players that aren't quite familiar. Um, number six is a Mike Randall fave um, from Clemson. Do you want to? Do you want to go ahead? And yes, I will. I love that you have an opinion. I will because Jaron Blossom game from Clemson, the senior who could have went pro and decided to come back. They got him at eighteen point nine points per game. Um, this, his minutes are at eighty five percent, which is true because he's not a foul guy. He's an inside-outside scorer, not afraid of the big shot, love Jared Blossom game. I, I think he's going to be big time. I've talked about that. I think he could lead Clemson back into the tournament. Hope so. Okay, could be a very 7-10-ish game, could be in Dayton in the playing game. By the way, if he's in Dayton in the playing game, you can bank on 30 points right there from Jared Blossom game. Love him. He's a senior. He's the best senior in the country. Mm. Love Blossom game. Uh Number seven is Malcolm Hill from Illinois. I think they kind of nailed that one since he already put up 40. Yeah, under the radar. Yeah, not a guy that wasn't that people were talking a lot about. But in the know, Malcolm Hill's a big-time player for, for Illinois. Rob Gray from Houston, who is the second Houston player on this list. There's another Houston player mm-hmm. on this. I mean, uh, let, let's let's go back to Houston. Yeah. Houston. Get a, little, get a little Dean going. Five, slamma, jamma, Dean. Sing it. Uh, Number nine, Ivan Rab of Cal, and number ten, Markel Fultz of Washington. Did we mention he had thirty? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah. what I think we're going to do next, after you have your top ten, and if, if you didn't hear the player that you were looking for, we definitely recommend putting your eyes on this. Um, go to SI, go to uh, search Luke Win, and then search you know top hundred scores, and you will find this chart on there. So I think what we're going to do is go ahead and pick out three of our players that kind of stood out of where they are, whether it be too high, too low, or just right. Um, First guy I'm going to go to is a guy that I loved all last year. Love him this year. Um, he's number 11. Kellen Butler, from, uh, Kellen Martin from Butler. Sure. Uh, they have him here as averaging just about 18 points a game projected. I bet he hits right around there. Um, I think Butler's being a little bit undersold. 
Um, as we're recording this, uh, they're playing Northwestern uh, in Butler, in, in Hinkle. Butler. Oh, yeah. So we know that game is going to be a tight game. I bet that, um, you know, maybe three, four-point game coming down to it. Yep. Um, but I bet Kellen Butler, I, I like where he's at. And I love that he's this high on this list. Um, it gives me hope for Butler and his season. Um, who's somebody that stood out to you? Uh, well, I'm going to go up to Amherst uh, to Dante Clark at UMass, and wow, yeah, UMass. Where, where was Dante Clark ranked? They had him 15th. They 15th. got they got him at 17.5 points per game last year. He was 16.2. Now look, UMass last year 14 and 8 for Derek Kellogg, 6 and 12 in the A10. But Dante Clark is a big time scorer inside outside. Plus, they have a tremendous recruiting class this year. Um, he loves to run the open sets, freedom of motion up there. Dante Clark's going to get chances to score. I like that spot. I think that's a just right spot for him. I don't think enough people know about him in the A10. Wow. I like Dante Clark in UMass, and I do think that they could actually surprise some people and and, and be maybe a fringe team getting into the tournament. It's possible. They're going to have to make a run in the A10 tournament. Because A10 is going to be crowded. It's going to be crowded, but I I like them. I like what Kellogg's doing up there. I like Dante Clark. He's a player you should get to know. Uh, This really surprised me, the next guy. This is like my, wow, I didn't know he would be this high. I'm going to go down to 33, and I'm going to go to Kadeem Carrington from Seton Hall. Cross that one off. That was one of mine. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, we talked about Seton Hall a little bit on uh, last podcast from one of our uh, listeners uh, writing in and asking about Seton Hall's uh, chances this year. And we mentioned Carrington as one of the lead characters for Seton Hall coming back, along with Delgado. Uh, and they have him at 30, uh, I'm sorry, 33 in the nation mm-hmm. as a scorer coming back. So if he's that high, I think the ceiling might have just gotten a little bit higher for Seton Hall. Um, and instead of them being like a fringe bubble team, maybe they maybe they are a top five, top four Big East team mm-hmm. and a solid tournament team. Um, I was surprised to see him that high. Very surprised to see him that high. Um, did you have another surprise, high or low? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go too low. Um, listen, I, I get it with Xavier. They have a lot of guys who can score. They got Trevon Blewett at 20 for 16.9. He was 15.1 last year. Trevon Blewett's going to be scoring more than that. Uh, Xavier's going to be really good. They have a tremendous home court advantage. Um, I think Xavier could win the Big East. You know, I think Villanova's going to be solid, but yeah. he can step back. Um, I love Creighton as well. Mm-hmm. But Trevon Blewett is going to be up by the 18, 19 point per game. Right? Wow. I do believe that. They have okay. a really good team. They need a guy who's going to be the man inside. And I, I listen, I, he's top 20, so he's fine. I just think he should have been a little higher. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a group of guys that are all together. I'm going to go down to the 50s and 50, 52, 53, and 54. You know what they are? They're all point guards. Uh, 50. Mo Watson Jr. from Creighton, part of potentially the best backcourt in the nation. Yep. 52. Uh, Jordan Woodard from Oklahoma, uh, the leftover from the buddy team. He's probably going to put up big numbers, and they say so here. 53. This seems a little low. Maybe a little low for Monte Morris, who's on some first-team All-American teams. And then 54, right below Monte Morris, is the frosh extraordinaire from NC State. Dennis Smith. So I like that grouping of all point guards right there. Sure. They have them all in the 15 uh, and a half point per game range, which I think is accurate. Maybe the only guy that might be a little low is maybe Monte Morris. Um, but I liked all of those guys together, and if you gave me any one of those four point guards on the team, you're going to make the tournament and you're going to win a couple games. Yep. Uh, and we'll finish here, and I'll give you my last few. Um, Jordan McLaughlin of USC at 48. 
they were uh, an inbounds play with Providence away from winning that game. That was a late game last year. He's back. I think he's going to be you know upwards of 17 points per game. We talked about Maurice Watson Jr. Just on the free throws, they're going to be fouling him at home. Yep. Can get some more points. And, of course, E.C. Matthews, we talked about already at 58 for Rhode Island. He could lead the A-10 in scoring. Absolutely. Um, and I would be remiss, Gus, of course, if I didn't mention at the end um, number 88. Ugh. But number one, in, uh, number one in my heart, no, no, first team All-American, hopefully, Frank Mason, 14 points per game. No, so they have him at 88. 88. Yeah, maybe I'll get a Mason jersey instead of zero, put 88 on the back and, and zero on the front. So um, yeah. we, we love all the stats that they put into this. This is an unbelievable read. Um, just, to, uh, just to put all the numbers in your head and then see how they actually play out. Uh, love that they ran all the simulations. So if you're going to check out something from the library, this is the thing to check out for sure. And uh, the, the folks, uh, so I mean, gosh, that was the fastest hour, Gus, I think we've ever had. Um, just remember, if you love the podcast, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show. Also on TuneIn Radio. Uh, you can email us also. And I believe, actually, we have uh, one more. We have an email? Uh, I think we're going to save the emails okay. for next time. Oh, we'll save for next time. Uh, because we do have a couple of letters that we want to answer. Uh, so we're just going to say we'll, we'll definitely include those emails on our next podcast. No doubt. But you can email us at sdspodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter, SDS, uh, podcast on Twitter. And then you can follow Gus at Kearns, K-E-A-R-N-S-12, or myself at Fantasy Warrior Mike, F-T-S-Y Warrior Mike on Twitter. Uh, and I think the last thing we just want to say is thank you guys for listening in. Thank you guys for choosing this as one of your listening options during the week. Uh, thank you for subscribing to us. Thank you for putting us on your playlist. Thank you for consuming the Screen the Screener podcast, however you're choosing to consume it. We, unbel- we appreciate it unbelievably. Uh, we're honored that you guys choose to spend some of your week with us and with us in your ears. So, uh Thanks for giving us that opportunity. We love what we do, folks. And I guess the only question we got left is, Gus, does Tyler Lydon from Syracuse like to screen? Well, Tyler Lydon better just do more than screen. He better start screening the screener because he's got Mammoth, the bench mob, coming in on Friday night. Big game. Folks, thanks so much. Game's coming up. Aaron Gano, Old Roy, Scucci, St. Mary's, E.C. Matthews, Yale, UVA, down screen. We'll see you. Love the lineup. Thank you so much, everybody, for giving us a listen. See you next week.